First, giving honor to God and our pastor in his absence. Truly, whenever we have an opportunity to show up in the house of the Lord, we ought not take that too lightly because somebody wish they could be here. We might be sitting up here looking at the clock, wanting to hurry up and get out, but somebody would just, you know, be tickled to death if they could just make it here one more time. So if you uh, have your Bibles, we're going to, our text is going to come from a familiar passage of Scripture, Second Chronicles chapter 7. Verse number 14. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse number 14. And you'll find these words here. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will hear their land. Let's just read that first part again. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves this is point and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then will I hear from heaven I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land Our subject, or the theme of this message is, is God happy with us? Turn to your neighbor and ask them, is God happy with us? Now for all of you phone-toting people, I'm going to give you a chance. Point your phone at yourself. Take a selfie. While you're looking at it, ask yourself, is God happy with me? <laughs> when we see this scripture, we, we hear it all the time and we we brush over it and it's quick to be quoted. And I think a lot of times we miss the importance of simple things that God is trying to teach us. We do a lot of skipping over the Old Testament, but really the Old Testament has a lot of instructions and a lot of principles and a lot of ways that can help us 
to be what we need to be. And in this scripture here, we see what happened throughout the entire Old Testament. A pattern of disobedience, not from the heathens, not from the unsaved, but from God's people. And it's nothing new. It started in Genesis when God gave Adam and Eve some simple instructions. <laughs> the only thing he told them not to do was the thing that they chose to do. And now we all have paid the price. If you go through Judges, you'll see the same pattern. God's people do right. They do wrong. They cry unto God. He comes and sees about them. You go in kings, it's the same thing. You might have seven bad kings, then one good king will come along. And before we be too critical of them, all of the prophets, their job was the same. They were telling the people to turn from their wicked ways, and God would bless them. But we kept happening to have prophet after prophet because they kept turning away from God. And then when the heat got on, they begged the prophets to go to God on their behalf. And then we have to look at little old us. We know the way. We done learned the way. We done been taught the way. But many times we try to make it on our own. And just as soon as we have messed it up beyond human repair, then we ready to call on God. There's a song that uh, I have heard sung in this church, and a lot of times, because our choir is so talented, we listen to what they say, and we don't even know that the words are convicting us. We miss that because Terry and Lynetta and the drummer and each section of the choir, they're doing such a wonderful job of presenting the song that we just done, the words just done went straight over our head. But the song that I want to you to think about today is it says something simple it's just a question. What if God is unhappy with our praise? Now we hear them saying that and you know we might flip all over the benches and run down the aisle and cry and shout but if you listen to what the words of that song has to say, you will find the remedy for us to change and make sure that God is happy with us. The song says, what if he is not pleased with the words we say? After it says, what if God is unhappy with our praise? What if he is not pleased with the words we say? What if he takes away his love and his spirit 
from above. What if God is unhappy with our praise? What if God is unhappy with the way we live? What if he is not pleased with the way we give? What if he takes away his love and his spirit from above? What if God is unhappy with the way we live? We must change the way we walk. We must change the way we talk. We must live a life that is pleasing to our king. We must read God's holy word. Let his praises be heard. Lord, just be pleased with our praise. I think that song covers just about every single area of the Christian life that we have to deal with. First of all, the song talks about our walk. And in Ephesians 4 and 1, it tells us there, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. We see that, and we have to understand it's so fitting that they put that video on first because our walk is being a Christian. Everything else we do is added stuff that we do out of gratitude. Now, people ought to be able to see that you're a Christian without you telling nobody. Now, if you got some people wondering if you're a Christian, then evidently your walk is not lining up with what you're claiming to be. And we have to be careful that uh, we don't forget about people are watching us. And we know that we stumble, we know that we make mistakes, but we ought to be able to go back, ask God to forgive us, pick up, try again. And in our walk, we have to be able to let people know that we are concerned about them because in Matthew, the 22nd chapter, verses 36 through 39, uh, when the Pharisees and Sadducees, they were trying to uh, question Jesus' authority, they were trying to, they put a question to him, what is the greatest commandment? And then he had to tell them, you know, he's like, okay, I know they're just trying to, you know, play games, but just to answer their question, I'm going to let them know. And he told them that we're supposed to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul. But then he said, second is we ought to love our neighbors as thyself. And I think a lot would change if we 
were doing that because we would be showing them the kind of love that as Christians we supposed to see and then they would see that in our walk. The song says, is he happy with our praise? And as a praiser, if you go to Psalms 150 and 6, it gives simple instructions. It says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Now we're going to take a poll. Who all in there have breath? So that means every single one of us in here, we have a obligation to be a praiser. See, one thing God ought to not be unhappy with you about is your ability to praise. Because we all have something that we can praise him for. If you don't think that you don't have anything to praise him for, just think about you woke up this morning. After you closed your eyes on last night, didn't know what was going to go on while you had your eyes closed. But while your eyes was closed, your blood kept running through your veins. Your heart did not skip a beat. And your lungs did not quit on you. So for the pessimists that want to complain about all of the outside stuff that's going on, you might not have the dress on that you want to wear today, your shoes might not be the newest, forget about that and praise him for what you do have. In our parenting, is God happy with us? Deuteronomy 6, chapter 5 through 7, it tells us some instructions that the Israelites were supposed to give to their children. He said, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thine soul with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thy heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou rises up. What are you talking to your kids about? Or are you, are you even talking to them? We have a lot of things to offer us the church, but we need you to take advantage of them. But this is something that you are responsible for. You are responsible 
And it's funny that it says, when thou lie down and when thou rise up, that sounds like to me like at night you should be praying with them. And in the morning when they get up, you ought to be praying with them because you need God to cover your children in this mean world that we are living in. You don't want to go back and talk about what happened in the past, but most of us bought up in the church. We knew what we could and could not do. We knew we had to sit still. We knew we could not leave and go to the bathroom. We knew no matter how thirsty you got, you was not leaving out getting no water. We knew what you could and could not bring into church. But what has happened is we have to look at what happened at the parenting. Preaching was the last job I got into church. Before that, my mother had me in Sunday school. I wasn't sitting up in church with all this idle time on my hand because I was on the junior usher board. <laughs> my kids got put in the junior layman's league. I didn't ask them did they want to get in it. They got put in it. They had the junior deacons. They had all of these things to give the kids something to do. So we offer so many things for your kids to do, but you have to make sure that you are taking advantage of them. I say this all the time at teachers' meetings. I invite any of parents of a small child in our early elementary group. That's that uh, nursery to second grade. Go walk down that hall on Sunday morning and peep in those classes. Those kids are sitting still and paying attention. When me and Ernestine get them at the third and fourth grade, we, we can start talking about salvation because that early elementary has taught them what they're supposed to do while they're in the church. I'm glad the children's church came up to see Cooper. Did you see those ladies, how them kids sat there? They didn't have nothing to play with. They didn't have nothing to eat. They told them downstairs, we're going to come upstairs. We're going to sit here. You're going to be quiet. We're going to look at Cooper, and we're going to go back downstairs. The kids will do what you tell them to do, but you got to tell them. It was perfect for me to see them up here. They have a very fine staff of people that work with Children's Church. And uh, the one lady, they got to acting up, and she, she kind of checked them because she's so nice. They thought she wouldn't say nothing. And she checked them, and she turned around and apologized to me. I said, Sister Black, you all right? I said, now they know you don't play. Before, all they seen was little easy going, Sister Black. She kept asking the little girls to quit playing with their purse. She said, put your purse down. 
She looked around and one of the girls had a purse and uh, Sister Black Redhead rolled up. Didn't I tell you to put that purse down? And the hush just went over all of them. Because they never seen that side of Sister Black. But she has established boundaries that they know not to cross. And as parents, we got a responsibility to establish boundaries that our kids know not to cross. Is he happy with your parenting? Proverbs 22 and 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart. If you're teaching your child the right thing to do, even though they're out there acting 14 karat crazy, don't worry about it. Because God has promised you what he's going to do. You might not get to see him come back. But when they're out there, they cannot say that they do not know what's right and what's wrong. So let's just take our little parenting seriously and see what God do. Let him have it. Let him have it and see what happens. Then we want to talk about our witness. Is God happy with your witness? One thing that I notice almost every Sunday, I mean, she's a big name celebrity to us, Teresa Terry. But every single Sunday, before she leaves out that door, she's taking time on Facebook to invite somebody to come. Almost every Sunday she does this. It don't make no difference if she make it here on time or not. She gets that in. She gets that in every week. She gets that in. And... All of us have a witness. See, when you think of witness, you know, it don't have to be nothing spectacular. We all don't have to uh, come down here saying when we joined the the church, you know, our our soul was on fire and we did five flips. (laughs) However you got here, that's your witness. However you got here. Uh, when I joined, I was 17. Reverend Brown didn't even know I didn't belong. I was at church every Sunday and did nothing spectacular. See, that's the only thing about God. I mean, you hear, uh, you hear people say things and we say, oh, there they go. That's the same thing. They say the same thing. But that is your witness. See, he used, as far as I was concerned, an extraordinary situation to get me to join the church. Because I was sitting on the front row doing revival. The week earlier, I seen them all hovered around my aunt praying, talking about, you going to join, you going to join. Because they used to make you sit on the front doing revival if you didn't belong. They was all around my aunt. My aunt was a stubborn tail. She still didn't join. They were just a praying. And, <laughs> and I'm like, man, I don't know if I got enough nerve like Aunt Jackie. I mean, them people come around. And it was a blind man preaching that you could not tell me was not looking at me. I'm like, I thought they said dude is blind. 
But every time I looked up off that front row, like, and then I guess from, you know, being in Sunday school and stuff, I know Jesus that he healed a blind man. So I guess if he, if he wanted to make the man see, he could. And I was sitting there with my friend, and I nudged him. I say, I don't know about you. They wasn't, he wasn't, they were nowhere near invitation. I said, when they open the door of the church, I'm running up there. I said, now you can come up there with me, or you can sit here, let them do all that praying on you, but just get up there. I didn't know what I, I got up there because the blind man was looking at me. And then God did the rest. I mean, God did the rest. See, we, we, we can't do God's work for him. We got to let him do. Mr. Woolers, every time he preached, he would tell the story about when he finally quit drinking, that God came in. And some people would all tell him, oh, there he go. He about to talk about that again. That was his witness. Because all of the other times that he quiet, tried to quit drinking, it did not work. But when Jesus came in his spirit and told him, you're not going to drink no more, he wanted to tell everybody about it. And then everybody, a lot of times, we miss the other part of that witness. I mean, people laugh because Sister Hattie says she just rolled over and said, I heard that before. That's not no condemnation of Sister Willis. It's just a fact of where we are at sometime. She probably had been praying that prayer for the longest, and it didn't seem like nothing was going to happen. I've been praying, Lord, please stop him from drinking. Please stop him from drinking. Please stop him from drinking. He stopped. He started back. He stopped. He started back. So when he told her, I don't drink no more. She probably said, oh, I heard that before. <laughs> Rolled on over. Why did you wake me up with that? But that was God because he was letting her see. Just as soon as you thought the prayers that you were praying were not being heard, I wasn't answering you. I wasn't paying any attention to you. It then went in heaven and out the back door, he answered that prayer. Somebody needs to know it's not a falsehood. God may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. He's always on time. So if you've been praying a prayer, and it seemed like God then turned a deaf ear to your prayer. Just wait on him. He's going to wait till you think that he done forgot about you. That ain't no use praying that prayer no more. And soon as you done got at your wits end, done threw in all of the straws, done cashed in all of your tickets, done decided that you ain't going to pray this prayer no more, that's when he'll come answer it for you. See, he got to let us know that, you know, I, I run this. You can say what you want. You can't start nothing that God stopped, and you can't stop nothing that he... You can't do it. You can do whatever you want. You can act a fool 
You can make up your mind. You can say, I ain't going to say nothing. You can say, I ain't going to talk about Jesus. And just as soon as you get somewhere, the first word come out your mouth is Jesus. You shocked your daggone self. Because you done told yourself, God, I've been praying for 20 years. You ain't answered my prayer. I don't have time to keep waiting on you. And right at that instance where he knows that you are totally dependent on him, that's when he's going to come. Just think of some of the prayers God would have answered for you if he'd answered them right away. Would your faith be as strong as it is now? Would you have as much strength? Would you have learned to be content without if God wouldn't have allowed you to be lacking sometime? You would have just thought that, okay, God like a genie in a bottle. I call him, here he come. But because he made you wait, because he made you sweat a little bit, you found out for yourself that God is who he says he is. And in Matthew, it tells us that we're supposed to be witnesses. In Matthew 28 and 18, it tells us what we're supposed to do. It says, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. You think about what has happened these past couple of days. They had 10 shootings from Friday to Saturday. Then they had some more. And in all of these communities where the shooting went on, there are churches in each and every one of those communities. Are we telling the unsaved about Jesus? We have to go out. We have to tell them about Jesus. If you are so happy that you're on your way to glory, don't you want to take somebody else with you? I'm not condoning nothing none of the young people do, but evidently it's a whole generation of young people that have not heard about Jesus. See, just because you're fortunate to be brought up in a house where, you know, Jesus is talked about and you've been bought to church, if these kids have never been taken to church, never been told that God loves them, never been told that anybody cares about them, the only thing they know to do is what they do. To them, it's learned behavior. This is what we do. We rob. You go to work, they rob. You cuss somebody out, they shoot. You fight, they kill. It's a learned behavior, and it is an indictment on the church. Because there's too many people that do not know about Jesus. 
than even in our own, in our church, in our witness. Friendship Sunday is every fourth Sunday. Can I get a show of hands of anybody that has bought somebody with them on Friendship Sunday? Why? Why we don't bring them? <laughs> we want to go to heaven, but no, we don't want to bring them because we think somebody's going to sit in our seat. We don't want to bring him because the usher going to make us a little uncomfortable when he asks us to scoot over when you got plenty of room for two more people, but you don't want to move. We have to get out of this comfortableness and do what we've been instructed to do. God is not happy with the same members of New Mission showing up every single Sunday. Don't never bring nobody unsaved. You know, he, he don't even care if we show up on Sunday. Because he said in the scriptures, I get the rocks to cry out for me. So we're not doing him a favor because we show up. But if we just come in here Sunday after Sunday, Church and church people, do you think God is happy with that? I talk. Okay, hold your hold your toes now. I talk ought to be reflective of our new change. James chapter 3, <laughs> it talks about something <laughs> that at some point or another we all didn't have problems with. That tongue. <laughs> James 3, <laughs> 5, 8, and 10. If the Christian mastered that part, they'd do, they'd be all right. It says, even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire it kindleth. In 8 it says, but the tongue can no man tame. It is unruly evil. I guess that's an extra, extra, extra evil. And full of deadly poison. And then 10 is the one that we ought to think about all the time. Out of the same mouth proceeded blessings and cursings. My brother, these things ought not so to be. Do you know sometimes you can say something to somebody that they never forget the rest of their life. You done forgot about it. And every time they see you, that pain just shoots through their body because of something you done said to them. And then we like said, we just have to, you know, we just have to watch 
what we do, I mean, because that happened to me a lot of times. On Sunday, I'm running around doing something else. I'm passing out daily breads and different things. And I walk by somebody, and they'll say you didn't speak. And it don't hurt. It'll take you down but 30 seconds to say good morning to somebody. You don't have to wait on them to speak to you first. Or if they call themselves not speaking to you, you don't control that. Speak to them, smile, keep on going, and let God handle that. Now, if you're going to be here and they're going to be here, you're not hurting each other. I mean, ain't nobody going to quit. I don't guess nobody's going to quit coming because they don't want to speak to you. But, I mean, we just, uh, we just have to think that, you know, simple things that we do. Members in the church that you don't know. Walk up and ask them what their name is. It ain't that big a deal. They might not even tell you. But then that ain't on you. You know you done did your part because you done tried to reach out to them. And that's what, you know, our talk needs to be able to engage people and let them know. And this next scripture, some of us need to practice. From the New King James Version, Proverbs 15 and 1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh word stirs up. Now, you ever had somebody say something to you? It wasn't, you didn't mind that they had something to say to you, but it was just the way that they said it. It was just so nasty, and you knew they didn't mean it, that you probably, you probably would have felt better if they just would have kept on walking. <laughs> but when you know that uh, if you talk to people like you care about them and talk to people in a compassionate manner, you can say just about anything to anybody. But you have to realize everybody ain't, I don't want to say ain't, is not where they need to be in a Christian walk. And if you talk to some of these people in the church, they talking about a harsh word or stir up something, you might have to get up off the ground. Even if they don't do something to you, I mean, the look that they give you, you'll figure out that maybe I need to get to stepping because they're not feeling me. You know, sometimes you can look at a person and they can say, uh-oh, uh-oh, oh, they ain't on that. <laughs> ain't on that. I better go on my, I better go on my little merry way. Just like with, just like with parents. How many had parents, they didn't have to say nothing? They just give you this look. That you thought was the look of death. And you got in line. I, I'll never forget, I got old enough where I thought I could, you know, kind of talk back. And uh, my daddy told me to cut the grass one day. You know, it's hot outside. I'm, I'm playing. I ain't feel like cutting no grass. Some way or another, I thought, you know, I cut the grass when and if I felt like it. So he sent the message to me a second time. So now I done got, you know, I done got a little pissed. You know, I'm feeling myself. <laughs> 
I heard him say, he done told my cousin once to tell me to cut the grass. I'm saying to myself, cuz ain't gonna keep telling me to cut this grass. So I let it blow over, kept doing what I was doing. So then my cousin must have went out to get something to drink. He come back out and he said, your daddy said you better cut that grass. My big bad bow behind. I told him, I told him, you go tell my daddy what he could kiss. Little did I know that, you know, we had a family room and the, this little sliding door was open and the screen was there. My, all my daddy said was, he don't have to tell me. I heard it. He said, I'm going to kiss it for you. After you cut the grass like I told you to. I have not ever took that long in my life to cut no grass. I cut the grass. I edged the grass. I raked up some grass. I might have got the hedge clippers and clipped some, clipped some hedges. All trying to prolong what was going to happen and then in the end, I guess my father knew. He said, you know what? I don't even have to do nothing to him. He said, he is so shook because I heard that it would be worse than anything physical I could do. He probably kept looking out the window like, Dad, he still cutting that grass? Oh, Dad, he still cutting that grass. In 45 minutes, that boy's still cutting grass. But, you know, that was the type of, you know, fear that I had because, you know, he had heard what I said and all I'm thinking about was the consequences and he like, I got him. He know I heard him. And that probably is the first and only time that, and I'm 60, that my father's heard me cuss. That's how terrified I was. <laughs> but, you know, like I said, you know, we have to, uh, you know, we do things and we don't, we don't, we don't think about them. So, you know, if I'd have just said I didn't feel like it, that'd been all right. But, you know, I, I chose to go another direction, even though which, either one was unacceptable. What I should have did is just cut the grass the first time he told me. That was, it would have solved all the problems. But I didn't want to do that. Then that song that talks about how we're supposed to live our lives. Matthew 5, 13 and 16 tells us as Christians how we're supposed to live our lives. Say, so ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast down and trodden under the foot. That means just throughout and stepped on. So if we're not letting our light shine, it says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We got an obligation to live the type of life where people can see Jesus through us. We have to because there's so many people that don't get to see him. Uh, you bringing your kids to Sunday school and different things, so many children don't get to see Jesus. If your little child might be the only witness that they get when they go tell their little friends that I go to Sunday school, I go to church, I know about Jesus, Jesus loves me. 
that might be the only thing that these kids get to hear. Is he happy with our giving? Now, don't get mad. We ain't going to talk about money. We ain't going to talk about money, even though the Bible talks about money now. God talks about it. But I think that's what we think is the only thing that, we, that God wants from us. God wants some sincerity from you. He wants some dedication from you. He wants to know that he can count on you to do what he has asked you to do. He wants your time. He wants you to be willing to do whatever kingdom business needs to be done. It'll help if you give your money, but don't think because you give your money that that's all that you can do. Well, I give my 10%, I ain't doing nothing else. Well, you know, okay, God happy with your 10%, but what else, what else are you doing? But we have to be willing to put forth the effort to step out of our comfort zone. Tell some people, tell some people about Jesus. And see, like I said, if you can't tell somebody nothing else, you can tell them what God has done for you. You don't have to have no big elaborate story to tell. But if you can just tell them that when you didn't have no money, God stepped in right on time. When you were sick, he showed up. When you didn't think you had a friend in the world, he was right there. When you did not know if you were going to keep your job that you had or didn't have a job, right when you were ready to just say, I don't know what I'm going to do, he always made a way for you. See, when you look throughout the church, see, everybody done been through something in the church. Now, the reason we don't know some of you been through something because you ain't never told nobody. <laughs> I mean, you know, you keep it to yourself. But you have to be humble enough. That's what that scripture said in Chronicles, that we have to humble ourselves to tell somebody that you've been down. Tell somebody that you've been hurt. Tell somebody that you needed God. Tell them that that was the only way you made it was because of him. You know, but if you ain't telling nobody and, you know, you really, you run around, you saying you're making it on your own accord. But none of us have made it on our own accord. It don't make no difference what's going on in your household. If it's just you, if it's you and God, you got a house full. If you're a single mother or father and you got your kids, don't worry about the other one not being there. If you and your child got God, y'all got enough. You don't have to believe me. I mean, I've seen it for myself. I've seen some of these mothers in the church that came up by themselves with their kids. And every single one of them. Many of them turned out better than the ones of us that had both parents in the house because their parents made up their mind that they was going to give their children to Jesus and they wasn't going to worry about what happened. They was going to let them take care of everything else. 
And I know somebody here today is a witness that he did it. He did exactly what they intended for him to do. Is he happy with our reading of the word? 2 Timothy 2 and 15. This ain't just for preachers. This is for Christians. To study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. If you are reading your word. You can witness to anybody. You can tell anybody something. But if you don't know what to say to anybody, you can't tell them nothing. If you don't know what to say yourself, to my brother preachers, study to show thyself approved. Whenever pastor is gone, and Sister Watkins gives you the call that she needs you to preach. You ought to always have something to preach about. If you've been in your word. Because what will happen, she'll call you. And this is how God get to work and she'll call you. You'll be done read something. And God will put that what you done read in your spirit. Then when you get what he wants you to get. He gave you the rest to back it up because it ain't about us anyway. It's about him. He knows none of us uh, are worthy to be preachers, but he called us anyway. But when you preach, he wants you to be able to tell somebody about his word. He wants them to be able to see that, you know, you done picked up your Bible other than when he tells you <laughs> or they give you that call that they need you. Then the final thing that we need to know, which is most important in that scripture, what he told the people. After he told them to humble themselves, he told them to pray. The only way a anything that's going on right now is going to get solved is if the Christians begin to pray. We can't change. Yeah. Black Lives Matter is, is fine. All these organizations that they got, the Cincinnati Initiative to curb violence, all of that would be not needed if we praying. If we are praying, then that means we're not dependent on no human solution to this problem. The Christian has to get out there boldly and pray. Have you seen what these uh, terrorist people are doing in the name of God? They are boldly going to everyday places that we got to go. The airport. The cafe. The theater. Then this guy the other day even went to McDonald's and decided. They are bold in what they are talking about. They are bold standing up for what they are believing. Even though 
uh, we might think is wrong. They are convicted enough that they're going to go out and do everything that they do in the name of God, in the name of religion, so they say. But we will not go out and do nothing. We have to know that if we pray, we got to believe that God can change some things. Philippians lets us know to be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ see we're not dependent on our own we're dependent on we're dependent on a, a, a higher power we're dependent on something that in your life you ought to be able to be to look back and see some prayers that God done answered in your life and because you know he done answered some prayers for you before you don't have no problem going to him again asking him the Christians need to be praying Lord change this world the Christian need to be praying, Lord, change these young people that think it's all right to kill one another. Change these young people, Father, that think they don't have no hope. Change them, Father, and give them something to look forward to. But see, we have to be willing to keep praying. That's when it tells us to pray without ceasing. That means nonstop. See, you can't pray today and then wait three or four weeks later and then decide to pray again and think that, you know, God going to do something. Your prayer ought to take place every single day. It said, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. That means that we need to be praying to him, and no matter how bad it seems, we're going to keep on praying because we're waiting for God to do something. We're waiting for him to do something. We know he can do it because he done done it in our own lives. Now, we ain't always done everything that we needed to do. We ain't always been up. We ain't always been right. But one thing we can testify to is God has always been there answering prayers with our children he doesn't answer some prayers some of our prayers uh, we might not even see the fulfillment of them but if you praying to God and asking him to watch over your children you know what if you got a child when you leave out in the morning you ought not ne never send your child out the house without asking God to cover them for you When you get in your car, you ought not never start your car up without asking God to give you some traveling grace to where you headed. You know, you don't have to make it there. We, you know, you just get in the car and think you have to make it. You don't have to make it. Somebody is in a wreck almost daily. But as Christians, we need to know that we want God to cover us no matter. If you got a mate, if you got family members, when you get up in the morning, you ought to ask God, go with my family members, Lord, especially the ones that don't know you. You ought to be praying that God gives them another day and another opportunity to meet him before it's too late. 
you ought to be praying for your children and your children's children, your friends, they children, and they children's children. Just ask God, just cover them, Lord, because we know if you got them covered, we know that everything is going to be all right. But see, when you're praying, when you're praying like you're supposed to, Hebrews tells us what you're able to do. In Hebrews, the fourth chapter, verse 16, it tells us, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy in and find grace and help in our time of need. See, if you ain't praying on a regular basis, you can't just run to God when you need something. But if you got a regular routine and he knows you by name, when he hears your voice, you know that he's going to answer your prayer. And then you have to believe. See, you can't pray without faith. Because if you ain't got faith, you don't believe that what you're praying for is going to take place anyway. But when you got faith, you can say like the writers in Hebrew 11 and 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So when you done did all you can do, you can't do nothing else. Pray about it. Sit back and watch and see what God will do for you. And because we know that he'll do all these things, we know that what he's talked about in that Second Chronicles, I mean, this, uh, chapter 7 of Second Chronicles, we know that he's going to hear from us. But we got to do our part. We got to pray. We got to seek his face. We got to be humble. And then we got to make a change. I mean, I know everybody ain't going to get, you know, what you do might not be what I do and what you do might not be what I do, but we all do something. And we know that God has forgiven us of what we've done. So once we have done all of this and we want him to be happy with us, there's only one other thing that we need to do. We need to accept Jesus. Philippians tells us about Jesus. It lets us know that he's not just anybody. He's the main person. He's the one that can fix it all. He's the one that'll pick you up and turn you around. Because in Philippians, it lets us know the honor that God bestowed upon him. It says, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, because we know who Jesus is, we got the remedy for making sure God is happy with us. All we got to do is turn it over to Jesus. He might not 
do everything on our time schedule. But the songwriter says he's an on-time God. Yes, he is. He may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. But when you got Jesus, you know that you have everything you need. Trouble can come in your life. Sickness can come your way. You can have all kind of financial issues. But if you got Jesus, you got all that you need. Somebody here knows that if you got Jesus, you got all that you need. Then you have to make a personal commitment. You have to be like Joshua. You have to make up your mind that no matter what nobody else do, you're going to set some standards in your house. You're going to set some standards in your family. It don't make no difference if you're in the house by yourself. It don't make no difference if you come from a blended family. It don't make no difference if you got the traditional family. It don't make no difference if you are a single parent. But your children and everybody in your house ought to know this one thing. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether it's the gods of your fathers that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites. But this was in the land that we dwell in. But this is what Joshua had to say about his household. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You need to say that today. If you want God to be happy with you, you ought to say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I know we talk about the gods of the Amorites, but really, anything you put before Jesus is your God. You can't serve God if you're worrying about what kind of car you got. You can't serve God if you're worrying about doing everything on Sunday but coming to praise him. So if you putting other stuff before him on Sunday, then that's your God. But you ought to make a declaration today. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my children, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my spouse, we're going to serve the Lord. Now, I don't want nobody to get in no trouble. Your spouse might not come, but if you keep throwing Jesus in your face, let Jesus do the work. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to trust the Lord. As for me and my house, we know he's the only way. As for me and my house, I know I never could have made it if it would not have been for the Lord on my side. Somebody here knows that when you thought that you could not make it right in the nick of time, that's the way he do. He'll step in right when you don't know which way you're going to turn. You might have gave up. You done called your friends. They got problems of their own. They looking at the caller ID. They not trying to talk to you. 
because they know you're calling with some problems. But if you want somebody that you can call on, call Jesus. Call Jesus in the morning. Call Jesus in the midnight hour. Call Jesus when your kids are out there and you don't know what they're doing, but all you can say is, Lord, cover my kids one more day. Call Jesus when the doctor done gave you a prognosis that you don't like. Call Jesus because it ain't over to God says it's over. Call Jesus because he's willing, he's able, he's waiting, and somebody in here knows because they called him for themselves. If you know that Jesus is the way, just tell your neighbor, I tried him, 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 and I found out he's all right. How many of you know that he's all right today? How many of you know that he's all right today? Some of you, if you've been through some of the things that some of the people been through, you couldn't have made it. We got some young ladies in this church fighting cancer, but they have not quit on God because they know that God is all right. They tried Jesus. They didn't care what the doctor said. They tried Jesus. They didn't care that the doctor told them it was going to be bad. All they did was put their trust in Jesus, and he did what he said he was going to do. I'm so glad today that I tried him for myself. And I know he's all right. If you're out there today and you don't know him, we invite you to come meet him. Come meet him. He's been waiting patiently for you. He's been waiting for you to come. He's going to let your time roll on a little while longer so you get a chance to meet him. So just come meet him for yourself. The doors of the church are open.